0: What happens when you stop seeing people behind bars as criminals and start seeing beings. them as human beings? Welcome to Sentences, Storytellers Beyond Bars, the podcast where we explore the impact of the criminal justice system in our communities. Hi guys, I'm Alfred. Lizette. This is Jose. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Sentences. Um, it's been a while since we got together record to record. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think you guys are pretty understanding and I'm glad that we're able to do this anyways. But yeah, the end of the semester just kicked our asses. <laughs>
1: yep, finals and projects and research paper and uh, tragedies in the library. <laughs> tragedies
0: in the library? What happened? Just
1: being in there too long. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I don't know. Um, but I do want to take this opportunity to just check in, uh, like all, all three of us, like one thing that we want to update each other on, and then we'll jump into the episode, because we have some really special guests today.
2: Well, why don't, why don't, why don't <laughs> you say go first? Ah.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, you want to go? All right.
2: Well, since I'm, like,
1: complaining about school, I'm just glad we're on break, and it's summer, and I get to read books for fun, and just hang out and work more on this stuff that I feel like so much better
2: than <laughs> all the
1: academic stuff we've had going on for a while. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my... That's your update?
0: Such <laughs> yeah. a quick update. Okay. So I graduated, I finished my thesis, I, I'm done with that part of my Yay! life. It feels good, I have my weekends back and I'm able to work on like this podcast and other projects and see what else happens. Yeah, I felt like a long time, like it was never gonna end, but it's, I'm still getting used to that feeling yeah but I did it yeah yeah
2: Uh, for me I'm I'm glad to be at this this place right where we're at right now Despacio recording because we have some good equipment that they let us use okay and uh, what we were using before were just some some little computer mics that we would set up on a laptop (laughs) and now we've got an actual place where we could interview some people uh, like today
0: perfect transition yeah Yeah. so today we have Two uh, guests from that we met. Well, I met these uh, you guys at Words and Cage uh, event right. last mm-hmm. weekend. Um, you're involved with the Words and Cage project with Dr. Roy, right? right? Yes, and so we have uh, Tin and Billy uh, with us today. So I'll let them introduce themselves a little bit more. Uh,
2: hello, um, uh, my name is Tin Tang. Uh, I was uh, recently uh, released from uh, immigration detention at El Delanto Detention Facility. I was there for about eight months. Just to give a brief uh, history of um, how I got incarcerated, age seven, 17 years old, uh, I committed horrible crime and I was sentenced to uh, 61 years, eight months to life in state prison. When I came to this country, I was um, eight years old. Uh, I was born in Vietnam, but my whole family is uh, heritage by heritage, we are Chinese. Uh, when I was at uh, two years old, when the Vietnamese uh, communist uh, government took over Vietnam they were uh, like um reconstructing the whole country and they were um kicking everybody out uh Vietnam that's not with the political view or uh, like for me example my family we, we we Chinese so they they told us to leave the country uh, If not then um they won't put put us in prison re-education uh, prison camp and that sort so so my family and, and I we flee the country. I was um, two years old at that time. I don't really remember much, and I don't really speak the, um, the Vietnamese language. I was brought up to speak Chinese, Cantonese. We flee to China. We stayed there for a little bit, and then we went to Hong Kong. Um, we stayed there in the refugee camp for like five years. Uh, the reason being is because uh, so my aunt, my my um, my dad older sister could sponsor us over here to U.S. and um, and we stayed with uh, the refugee camp for five years and joined the process, come over We lay over the uh, Philippines and Japan. So when I came here, I was uh, eight years old um, in, in 1985 to this state, California. It was a culture shock because I didn't, I didn't speak um, English and I was um, uh, being made fun of. I was getting bullied in school because I was different. And uh, that 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 made me very um, angry, and I didn't know how to express my anger at that time. So um, I I didn't like school just for the fact that every time I go, it's, it's like I'm being singled out by the other kids, and you, you know, kids could be cruel, cool. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know, yeah, it could be cruel. Cool. So so um and um, my dad at that time he 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 never taught me how to express um, any uh, cope. Coping mechanism to deal with my anger or anything like that. like my dad was an alcoholic and he and he's a gambler so uh, his form of discipline was just by hitting yelling and stuff like that and so I was uh, growing up I was afraid of my dad because every time I do something wrong or he think I'm doing something wrong he, he always beat me. so I, I couldn't talk to my my, my dad and then um, my mom she's always worked she was uh, when when um, when she came over, same with my dad they have a limited education because back in the country third world country where they grew up um they were only taught to farm you know they wouldn't go to school and anything like that so my dad was uh, working as a construction worker and most of the money that he he um he made he go to alcohol and gambling and my mom was working in a sewing factory and um she was like the main uh, supply uh, for the family, like the caretaker. So she, she was taking care of the bills and stuff like that. And my, my parents used to have a lot of argument, um, mainly financial issue. And uh, I witnessed a lot of domestic uh, violence between my, my parents and my dad while growing up. And I used to feel in love. Every time I see my, um, uh, my parents fight, it's like, it made me feel like um, I don't belong. I don't belong with them. You know, it's like with, with, with my parents lovers. Love me, and my siblings. They shouldn't like, you know, always be fighting in front of us. So, um, so that's some of the stuff that I spent while growing up. And also, my old I have a one older brother, a year older than me. Um, I couldn't get along with him because um, every time I would uh try to tag along with him and, and uh, go places with him, he always pushed me away. So, so growing up with my older brother, our relationship was horrible. And I have three younger uh, sister. And um, I couldn't get along with them as well because I felt like I'm the older brother. I should um, uh, look after them, mm-hmm. but I, I was uh, never taught how to be an older brother um, to to my sister because my brother was never really treat me like I'm his little brother. You know, and my my dad, you know, he was just he was just terrible because he's like I say, his form of discipline. I was just yelling, hitting, just those kind of um techniques and i was sending him so i stopped like hanging around with criminal gang member alcoholic drug addict um when i was in high school because they accept me uh, for who i am like um you know with, when i hang around with, um reflecting back when i was hanging around with those uh a group of people um they didn't judge me for who i am they, they they don't care how i look if i'm smart in school if i go to school if i have money or not it was we were just bunch of uh, people that seeking for acceptance so they accepted me and then at that time I really thought that um, this is how I want to live my life like in the gang and criminal lifestyle you know stealing from people robbing I think that's I'm I'm glad you brought that up about how it might be
0: like trying to make sense of this shitty situation right that you Mm -hmm. were thrown into Mm -hmm. so young Mm -hmm. right and like there's no there's no guidance from like the government there's no guidance from outside support especially towards immigrants, right? Exactly. So there's no way. Like, how is someone supposed to make sense of navigate this complicated you know, situation on your own? Uh, real, real quick, I want to get uh, Billy also to kind of maybe introduce himself and give a little background like, like Tim did.
1: Uh, my name is Billy Tang. Um uh, similar situation as ten, but uh, I was uh, born in uh, Cambodia, and um, my both my parents are also uh, different ethnic. Uh, Ch- uh, we're Chinese. Um, I was, um, we were, well, we were pretty much caught up in a situation where the Khmer Rouge took over the government back in uh, nineteen seventy six. Right, so that's what, that was when I was um, one and a half years old. Uh, my father was um, he was a, a, a professor, an educator. So immediately when they took over the the Cameroons took over the government, he was pretty much targeted because of uh, you know for one he was um, you know a person of intellect, and for two you know we were different uh, ethnic. So one, one night in the middle of the night, he just, uh, the soldiers came and accused him of uh, plotting against the government. So uh, he was just, uh, you know, beaten from front of the family and dragged out in the middle of the night and, you know, we never saw him again. Through some miracle, uh, my mother and my older brother and I uh, managed to, you know, survive, um, you know, those uh, horrific events. Uh, and uh, in 1979, uh, when the Vietnamese invaded uh, Cambodia, and my mom saw an opportunity to escape and, uh, you know, we. Just uh, kind of went with, along with other refugee, to the border of Thailand. Um and that's how we were accepted into the United States, uh, you know, through sponsorship from a Christian uh, organization. Similarly, you know, in the beginning, we moved around a lot. Uh, so finally we settled and in, settled into, uh, at Maury um, Park, LA. Uh, and that's where I grew up, pretty much. You know, growing up, is different. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it's more like a culture class for me. Uh, I didn't understand a lot of the, well, it was more like confusing. At, at home, I was taught one way, right, to, you know, be, um, you know, uh, just do as you are told and you know just at school it was different it was like you know i see i see the you know how the other kids like the parents showed them love you know driving to school you know you know just uh you know little things that you know and and at the time at a young age i perceive as love and you know when i go home it was more like you know what just do what you told you know um don't speak up you know don't you know your kid so just obey the adult so you know i felt like very um kind of um I guess suffocated in, at home, right? Because you know, I wasn't able to express any any of my uh, you know emotions or, but uh, you know, at school or when I'm with my peers in the street, I, I, you know, I'm more of uh, uh, being accepted, right? I, I could openly express myself and uh, you know just. Uh, allowed to be myself you know, without any kind of judgment or without any kind of a comparison to other kids and you know you know, I often find that I'm being compared to a lot too like my mom would say oh look at this kid uh, you know they did this and that and it was for me It was like well you know I guess inside like you know what's wrong with me you yeah. know when how, how you know you don't love me you know so you know that that kind of, like, the salient message was in my head. It's just, you know, at the time, I just didn't know how to express a lot of my, you know, um, emotions and um, hurt, pain, and uh, um, even anger, right? Uh, but, you know, what what I found comforting was, um, you know, like, 10 uh, around my peers with, the you know, with the gangs. Uh, you know, I was accepted, embraced, and, and, you know, that's what I was looking for, really, that, that sense of approval and, uh, you know, embrace and uh, acceptance, you know, uh, that distorted thinking at the time, right? It just... Um, got me to believing that, hey, these guys, you know, love me more than my family. So I was willing to do anything for them. Like, you know, just put my life on the line or, you know, just whatever, um, whatever I could do to contribute to the gang lifestyle. You know, I was willing to do that. I uh, got arrested at age 19. Uh, you know, I commit a horrific uh, crime of, uh, you know, robbing a uh, bunch of people on a tour bus. In addition to the robbing, I got kidnapping for robbery. So I was sentenced to uh, two consecutive lives per 14 years. At 21, I was already at the maximum security uh, state prison, level four, you know, um, brand new cell, you know, I remember at the time, just don't know what to do with, the, you know, with my time, you know, like, I remember just thinking like, man, what am i am going to do with the rest of my time? Like, how am i am going to do this, you know? But, um, you know, but you know fortunately through my the process of my incarceration from the beginning from the county I realized that you know my mom do love me you know because she was willing to just go to a uh, um, county jail in the middle of the night to visit me right rode the bus and stuff so that's when I realized like you know what you know um, you know my mom do love me it's just you know um, her, her different way of showing it's different than you know what I saw at, at you know at school and stuff so yeah like you were mentioning like you know, we came here as little, right? And you know, no one gave us a road map or how to navigate. You know, this being a refugee or immigrant. You know what I mean? So, you know, there was, you know, there was traps that I didn't, you know, see along the way. And you know, unfortunately, I just, you know, fell into the trap and, you know, did what I did. You know, and and did my time. You know, and for me, right, I accepted the fact that, you know, at that time, right, I should be incarcerated because the path that I was going right it was more like destructive than you know so actually you know it kind of saved my life but um you know I'm, I don't know about the, the length of time that you know yeah. I you know I didn't need it that much time to rehabilitate at the time you know um and it was my first offense um also so um I think Dr. Roy said that you guys were both like you guys knew each other like yes, before you guys
0: were sentenced yes <laughs> I
1: actually uh yeah we knew I knew Tin uh way back in like the 90s when we were just hitting the street no and, yeah we were like young bucks just running around <laughs> just uh, you know being wild and you know crazy I'll let uh, other tin, uh <laughs> I yeah yeah
2: um so we yeah, had just like was been uh was saying we we, we we met um while we going to high school makepppa high school I don't know Makepa. if you got yeah back in um, the early 90s. You know unfortunately um you never finished right Billy I, finished. I, I okay he finished I got kicked out Ke from uh, day chain and fighting stuff like that I went to Century High uh, to oh. continue uh, uh, okay. school in uh, Fremont mm-hmm. and then um I even got kicked out right there I was I was horrible so yeah. I never finished high school <laughs> so um over the years like uh, we've we, we been living you know the gang crime lifestyle he went his way I went my way and I heard um you know, he, he was living the same lifestyle, destructive lifestyle like I did. And, and the last time I saw him was in uh, Los Angeles County Jail back in 95, 96. He was fine life sentence. I was fine life sentence. And unfortunately, you know, we both lost. We both got convicted for life. And that was the last time I saw him. In
0: 95?
2: And, uh, 95, 96. Wow. 96 in uh, Los Angeles County Jail. And then, um, so over the years, you know, prison is a is, is, is very small place. Even though they have multiple different prisons, but... But you have been in for 20 plus years, like the world get around, like, oh, such and such is here, here. So I, I hear he's at certain prison, or he heard that I'm in certain prison. And that's how we, we knew, like, he oh, he, he's over here, I'm over here, like that. And um and I heard that he was parole And I was, uh like, um he, he paroled before me, in, you know, 2006, 16. 16. And I was so happy, you know, because that time hardly any life got, got you know got a parole date and he, he made it so i was happy for him and he was you know living his uh, life being productive um member of society and uh, i spoke to him on the phone um and uh, i remember i spoke to him and he said damn then, um, you know um I, I just got released from uh immigration and 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 they sent me um i sent me um a letter they told me check in in the office and i'm kind of worried and such and such and that time i was parole too or i was parole from Lancaster." After serving a little over 21 years, and I spoke to him when I was in uh, El Toronto Detention Facility. This is when uh, he was, uh, you know, um, out here. So I say, say, Sean Billy, um, you know, just just check in. You know, you doing everything you supposed to do. I don't, I don't think nothing bad's going to happen to you. And three days later on, I woke up uh, in the morning, and uh, one of uh, my roommates said, "Hey, I think you know this guy. He he just came in last night. He said he know you." And then. uh, and then the window kind of like this, and I I, I got up and I went window. <laughs> Billy was on the other side <laughs> of the window. I said, "Oh man!" <laughs> and and I, in a way, we were like laughing. We we're all like, oh, you know, and I said like, it's good to see him, but in a way, it's not right. because he's in the situation I'm at in El Toronto. and it's just unfortunate that we met again uh, in uh, detention. You know, yeah. I said, like, "Oh man," you know, but it's all right now. At least we could you know, spend some time talking, we walk around the yard and stuff like that, share food. (laughs) How long were you guys there? Um, I was there for about eight
1: months. I was there for six and a half months uh, when they re-detained me on uh, October 5th. Uh, After uh, after me being out a year and a half, uh, you know, just living a productive (sighs) life, I was like, Pretty much in a, in in my way to having a career as a electrician um, union worker uh, apprenticeship. Yeah, when they sent me the letter, uh, you know, deep inside I knew I knew that you know uh, you know uh, it was a good chance that I was going to detain. But um, you know I just checked in anyway, and uh, yeah, sure enough, I, you know they detained me that day on um, October fifth. What's the process of once you're detained in a detention center? What was your experience
2: after that? So okay, for me, uh, uh, my situation a little bit different from Billy, but very similar as well. When I paroled uh, from um, Lancaster State Prison, um, August 22nd, 2017, last year, uh, I was never given the opportunity to even step out the gate because uh, oh, the ICE was waiting for me damn. at the prison. Well, once uh, I was paroled, I was very happy, but they told me beforehand, the ICE, they sent me uh, some paperwork, like waiver, and I signed it, they, they gave me a heads up, like, look, when you ever get a uh, parole we gonna come detain you right they told me this back in 2000 uh like 2001 i believe 2001 when i was in patrick bay and then that time i was like i'm not gonna get out 61 years eight months to life right and then they told me again in um like 2014 when i was in carapestria state prison they say and i say why they tell me this because i don't think i ever gonna get out because that's my mentality that time so um when I was paroled, then they called to the prison the counselor called me to the office and say, you know what, they're gonna come detain you. And, I, and that's when I knew like for sure they're gonna come detain me. But still, I was so happy to get parole from prison. You know, so that send their parole, like I say, they picked me up, they brought me to the federal downtown building, uh, 300 North uh, federal building. I was there for six hours. They will process me paperwork, take my picture and ask me questions and then from then on they drove me straight to El Dorado detention facility and I was there the same day of and I got released on 8, April 9th right and uh, I was there for um about eight months so the process uh, my um my situation is that I was I came here before 1995 from Vietnam mm. so they only deport people back that came from Vietnam um after 1995. Oh. So even though um I knew they cannot deport me because Vietnam won't accept me because they don't consider me as the citizen. But they still can't me anyway because of my crime that I commit when I was seventeen years old. They used that. They use that uh, against me when I went to uh, uh, immigration court when I was in El The judge, the DA, um, there was one that worked for us. They brought my my um, my crime. I I understand I commit a heinous crime. I um, I shot four people. And two of them die in the process, two of them to survive. So I have two second degree murder and two attempted murder. and um, So like I said I regret every day, every every day that I know the horrible crime that I committed. I never, I never could undo that, but at the same time, I recognize that this is a second chance for me to get back now. For me to make a man is, is to, to share my spirit, to, to come out to society live a productive life. and I try to express that to the immigration judge. Uh, and then I people let them know I'm no longer the 17 years old when I commit uh my crime because I changed. It's been over two decades, 20 plus years. Yeah. So I'm I'm 41 years old right now. And uh they wasn't trying to hear that. They say just based on your crime. And I even tell them uh, that I was found suitable for parole uh, by two commissioners that are working for our, our Governor Joey Brown. Yeah. So they they will they say that I'm no longer a dangerous society, that's why they signed the paper to let me out. They wasn't trying to hear that as well. They say just based on that, we're gonna deport you. We're gonna to try to deport you to the best of our ability and all that stuff. They say it don't matter what you what you did or how you changed and they don't care none none, none nothing yeah. uh related to my rehabilitation. So they present me with this deportation deportation paper. So basically it's like if I don't sign it, uh say that I I, um, I waived my right to get deported. I could be in immigration indefinitely. Like there's no way or no uh, like this part is there's no uh, release date for me at all. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it's, I'm in a lose lose situation. But if I don't sign it, then I would be in there indefinitely. If I sign it, then um, I gonna be out here. So I signed the deportation deport deportation paper. So they still kept me. I, they still kept me for like uh, past three months because normally when you sign the deportation paper three months or so we get released uh, under supervision mm. but three months passed by they didn't tell me nothing four months passed by nothing five months passed by nothing and six months passed by they act like I wasn't even there I tried like because and like what's going on with my situation I went to the court, uh, immigration court procedure I, agreed, I agree with everything, I bring my wife so, so what's the, the hold up for you guys to keep me here. They didn't respond. So I was fortunate enough to uh, meet an um, uh, immigration attorney by David manager He's a federal attorney for, uh, for immigrants uh, in a similar situation like mine. So he helped me file a hate-based petition in the Central uh, U.S. District Court challenging eyes while they detaining me when I'm not deportable. And also I comply with everything they tell me comply them with. And challenging that they're not challenging why I I get deported because like I say this is a lose through situation, right. that's over because I did commit a crime and I did win a prison for it, so I cannot fight that in immigration court at all. So the only thing I could fight is why are you holding me? Why are you continue detaining me, you know, when you guys cannot deport me back to Vietnam. So in court three weeks uh three weeks after that, out of nowhere, no notice, nothing, that's when the ice released me. They just call me out of nowhere, like you getting released, pack up your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you normally when they release people from immigration, uh-huh. they don't give you no heads up, like one, two days. Maybe it's a security issue, I don't know. But everybody that I see when I was in El Toronto, everybody getting released like uh, like one hour before. Oh, like wow. just pack your stuff, you're you leaving. So that's that's how um, I'm able to do this podcast with you. Wow. You gotta do that.
1: Oh yeah, mine was a little different. Um, I got detained on, like I mentioned earlier, October fifth. When they detained me, they said that they were just gonna uh, take me to uh, interview for a couple weeks. Um, um, That couple weeks turned into six and a half months. Uh, I was, um, literally, I was uh, housed at uh, Adelanto when they, you know, when I first got processed in. Uh, Three weeks after that, they woke, you know. It wasn't just me, it was a bunch of um, people in a similar situation as I am. Uh, they wanted to deport uh, everybody with a criminal record, right, back to uh, Cambodia, actually. And you know, there was a bunch of us that they woke up 2 a.m. in the morning and you know, just say, pack it up. And we were, you know, we were just like, you know, where are we going? They couldn't even tell us until uh, we got to the process and they said, oh, we're going to fly you to, all the way to uh, Louisiana for your consulate interview. So they flew us all the way to uh, Louisiana um, for the interview and, you know, we, it pretty much took a whole month for us to get back, right? Um, after we came back, uh, three weeks later, they attempted to deport, uh, deport us to, to Cambodia, you know, the, all the people that went with me. Um, and, you know, you know I, all our luggers pretty much packed already, you know. They told us, you guys are being deported, um, you know, just get like a, a, a baggage that's like 40 pounds. Uh, but fortunately, um, uh, before we got we uh, board the pl- the plane for to Cambodia, right? The, um, the organization uh, Asian Law Caucus and uh, Asian American Advancing Justice they filed uh, injunction with uh, the Orange County uh, court, right? And that's that stopped deportation for the time being, right? And for me, it allowed it allowed me um, to. Or my lawyers to reopen my case, challenging the um, the uh, Cat Convention on the against torture mm. uh, claim. And when uh, my case got reopened, right, um, I guess that's when uh, pretty much is uh, my deportation got froze, right, until uh, my my uh, case got resolved. And I guess the rules is if if uh, a person's been detained for six months and there's no immediate uh, deportation, uh, you know, I. W- I should be given an opportunity to uh, bail out that's what happened I, you know we went to a bail hearing uh, th- uh, and I got bailed out on um, April 19th uh, just a couple of uh, months ago yeah. and um, yeah uh, but the condition was I have to be on uh angle monitor um, oh, yeah. so they didn't trust that uh, you know I would stick around and you know fight it so you know they mm-hmm. said that I was a, you know still a threat to society and a flight risk so you know that's why I was late because I was just checking in from the yeah, uh, you know ang- uh, ICE, they call it ISAP right it's a uh, angle monitoring program um, so you know so and I have to keep the angle monitor charged at all time if not then I I'll violate the condition and you know possibly be taken back in you know because of you know it's not charged and pretty much they just want to know where I'm at at all times so yeah. when it's time to really uh, come and get me you know they'll know exactly where I'm at but um I'm just glad to be out here, really, you know, angle monitor or not, you know, I'm just grateful, you know, just to be back with my family and, you know, just continue to do what I'm doing uh, as far as reestablishing my career and, um, you know, just being involved with uh, community work. And um, How did you
0: guys, find, how did you all find
1: the um, the lawyers or the, I, I know that,
0: that that organization came and helped out the entire group that was at threat. Or at risk of deportation, but like, how did you, how did Tim found, find uh, the, um, because I think this is kind of what we're trying to do also, like, share this information. How did, how is this happening? These, these caucuses, or these nonprofits, or these, you know, legal teams that are doing this, this work, you know, on the front lines, you know, preventing deportation and, you know, uh, illegal, illegal deportation, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Um. So, um, while I was in, um, El Toronto detention facility, I met, um, uh, some Cambodian that was in a deportation process like Billy, that's and his name is Sang, his his last name is Sang, I forgot his first name. So he introduced me to um, David Manager because David Manager his specialty is filed like hippies petition challenging uh, the detention uh, against ICE, like the way they de- detain um, uh, immigrant like kind of like uh, me and Billy and them is like, violate uh Constitution, so that's what he do, and uh, he helped a lot of Cambodian, also Vietnamese and other uh, Asian uh, Pacific uh, Island, Islander that was getting deported, but it's not deportable. But I still continue to hold him. So uh, when St. introduced me to uh, Mr. David Manger, and um, that's when I told my story, and he he, he do so much. He he already know um, the whole scheme of how I. Uh, do the business because we, the way what before I went to uh, El Toronto, I didn't know like how ICE or immigration detention is run. Right. You know, um, they call it uh, it's detention facility, it's not jail, it's not prison. But yet, at the same time, all the programs they give us, everything they feed us, every, the way they treat us from the way we be in the cell is exactly like prison. There's no different, but they want to portray to the public that. Uh, it's not a jail, it's not prison. We can treat well. Um, maybe in their in this state of mind. But in my opinion, when I was in custody uh, for 20 plus years before I got to immigration, to me personally, it's no different than prison. Matter of fact, it's worse because there's no there's no exact date when or you get released. At least when most of the people in prison, they know uh, either you get life or you have a set actual release date. You know something like that. But ICE is like they don't give you nothing like that. Like it's like would you challenge them on something or like grievance or anything, they would transfer you to another facility in the US because they have 111 facilities this, in, in this country. So they would just like say, you know what? You can transfer to uh, New York or uh, pack yourself. You're leaving in the morning, just like that. You know, cause this is federal. Like they have the fun to do, do stuff like that. Just like how Billy was mentioned, like, you know, pack your stuff, you're going to Louisiana. And it just, it just like snap a finger, like literally like that. So that's, and I didn't understand why they want to hold me and people that's not deportable in detention for so long. But I figured out after about six months, because we like prodded to them. The longer we did, they could uh, get more funding from the federal government and mm-hmm. like, and um, everybody make money except for us. Like for example, the ICE, um, they don't want the detention facility, it's like private, the, uh, the people that was running El Dorado deten- detention facility is a privately uh, security company called GEO. Mm-hmm. So they a privately security guard that was uh, work under ICE. So even though we have something certain question that we wanna ask them about our immigration status, they don't know. We have to wait for the ICE agent to come in here to the facility and then talk to them. All they, uh, all the G, uh, the security guard GEO. Job is to feed us, make sure we are alive, give us uh, recreation yard, uh, visit, like phone call. D- that's pretty much it. I also want to, uh, you know,
1: um, I guess give uh, a couple, of, you know, um, credits to uh, organizations. Because when I came out, I got involved with organizations, just uh, ARC, API Rise, uh, Second Call, and um, DeFi Ventures. And um, those those um, organization uh, came through when I needed the support letters to, you know, for my bail hearing. And um, ARC is the one that contacted the uh, Federation Union, right, because I was involved in the apprenticeship program. And the union contacted uh, Diamante Law Firm, which uh, represented me on my bail hearing and got me you know, the release. So, you know, that was the process of, you know, I've, I've got to mention earlier, but uh, yeah, I don't want to leave, uh, you know, uh, those. Uh <laughs>
0: no. Yeah. And, and what we, we can do is we can always put the links. To these people, uh, to these organizations in the description of the podcast and uh, our Instagram and all that. Right. Um, just, yeah, so other people, that's the whole point, or Other people can access them.
1: Yeah. Right. It's just, you know, for me, it was just important for people that um, the formerly incarcerated when they get released to participate in, you know, these um, uh, nonprofit organization, you know, such as ARC, to, you know, kind of be in the uh, pro social environment to, you know, help them reintegrate into society and, uh, you know in a healthy manner you know like where they provide jobs housing and um you know pretty much just uh you know they'll do everything they can in their power to uh, help assist you right so that you don't uh you know we re- uh, recidivate
0: you know uh, i know one of the things that we were struggling with uh because uh, n- none of us have been formally incarcerated but we're here doing this podcast dealing with incarceration right and so uh, we had a discussion in an earlier episode where you know, should we be doing this? Should we need more people who are formally incarcerated in in the project with us? And I think that's our next step. But uh, I was talking to a friend recently, and a, there's a mix of people that need to make that need to work together to make something some change, right? So people who were affected directly, and then people who are not affected, maybe using some sort of their their position, you know, to help mm-hmm. the whole community. So maybe what are some ways? There's some some ways people who were not affected directly maybe people who were never incarcerated how What do you think those people could help? How, how do you think they can help?
2: there's there's many ways just a good example is the the other rally they're gonna have in um, in uh, Orange County yeah. um, they're gonna have a rally in front of uh, De Lacey in Del- Orange County yeah. uh, on uh, June um, uh, 14 right? Yeah, it's next Thursday. Yeah, next Thursday, June 14th Okay. So, um, that's a good way. Just go there and and and, and source, uh, support to um the um uh, uh, immigration right and how people is getting treated in uh, uh, immigration, mm-hmm. like and and just to show support, like being there and then listen to like story, like how me and Billy Shane i will with you guys, or maybe they will go to, to those kind of events and sign petition and then um let. Uh, the, the the people that's in charge to come here like uh, the mayor or because when I was in El um, Toronto for example there's, there's people that don't speak no English like English is like the second language there's some older gentlemen there's, matter of fact there's a lot of older gentlemen in there that, that's waiting to get the, in the deportation process but don't know how to uh, uh, let the family or wish out to help because they don't speak no English and they they haven't really no um education at all so with people um whether they speak Spanish um Vietnamese Chinese Korean or like just like beside English maybe could uh, help um translate uh translate certain, like um English to the, their like original um language and let them know what's going on you know like mm-hmm. why why are they getting de- deported when or they were deported, is there a way to fight? Because n- normally, when people are um, in a detention facility, they don't know the procedure. They just sign everything, and they and 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 most of the guys in there, just like me and Billy, we have limited resource. You know, our family is, is not like wealthy could get us like 10,000 attorneys that could help us in court. It's like we're just helping each other. When we're in there, we we sharing information with mean him and other group of people that are in similar situation. And that's how we got involved with like ARC, AP, API and all those other nonprofit organizations that's helping us out right now. Well you bring up a good point. It's not only about
0: money, it's also about like knowledge and knowing about like how to navigate this, you know, who to go to for help and what's right. where you should sign, where you shouldn't sign.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, um, I, I guess, activist group uh, and organizations uh, that's uh, representing uh, all immigrants, not just uh, us, uh, you know, people in our situation, but the DACA's, right? Uh, also, I think um, we were going to go to um, next week's rally. Uh, it's, you know, like uh, Tien Se is located in uh, Theo Lacy. That's a detention center in Orange County. And, you know, the rally suppose, uh, is supposed uh, is kicks off at 5. It's... It's a rally to abolish immigration, uh, you know, they, you know, it's, you know, immigration is a, a human rights violation, really. No one should be, um, no one deserves, right, to get torn away from their family, uh, their kids, their parents, uh, wife, chil- you know, children. You know, for me, for, from, you know, me being in detention, I, I witnessed a lot of, uh, you know, people just, uh, you know, they don't have any hope of fighting. So, you know, they was willing to just uh, sign the paper and leave. But um, yeah, these people have kids, they have family, they have parents. Uh, myself, uh, you know, my mom is uh, seventy years old that relies on me to care for her. And if I were to be deported to you know back to Cambodia, um, you know, she's she's gonna it's more it's a challenge for her to you know just um, you know perform like daily activities. You know, I'm you know I drive her places, I you know lift uh, heavy objects for her. So you know, I'm I'm pretty much uh, her you know. Um, main caretaker really and this you know other people that's you know um you know like father or 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 mother right that have children rely on them and you know if they get deported you know children's gonna grow up you know fatherless motherless and you know it's it's just uh sad to see that you know i mean i don't think anybody you know deserve to be um you know you know to grow up without parents or you know just to live without you know their loved ones around them you know so but uh you know uh, yeah, there are there are organizations that um, you know fighting for uh, immigration reform. So you know, uh, those who want to help, you know, could just uh, look those organizations up in uh, in uh, in uh, internet, and you know, I guess you could help from there, you know. And
0: and we'll, we'll list like the ones that you you have mentioned also under description. And that's a good point. A lot of organizations are helping. Um, I want to take a quick break because I know we have to we have like parking meters we have to worry about. But when we come back, I just want to maybe touch on a couple more points that you guys brought up, and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Alright, well, welcome back, everybody. And so, again, we're here with Atin and Billy, who are just sharing their story with us and sharing different ways for people who aren't directly affected or impacted by incarceration to help. But I think they wanted to share a little bit more about their experience inside the detention center so I'll go ahead and hand it over
2: to them there's a lot of people that going to be in the situation like myself and Billy that's uh, in prison right now that uh, that's going to get detained by um, ICE because we we commit a crime at a young age we didn't thought about uh, the consequences of action I'm not uh, trying to say you know uh, overlook that or lessen my responsibility of my poor choices I accept full and total Responsibility for my action, but I would um, would like everybody to understand that um, there's a lot of people that that like my situation. We commit a crime very young, under the age of eighteen, and um, the reason why I say that is because when I was in prison, I met a lot of people that was involved the in gang criminal lifestyle, such as myself. And and the reason why um, I was parole is because of SB two hundred and sixty, and that bill is specifically uh, passed. Uh, for juvenile offender, that um, when we commit the crime when we're under the age of 18 and um, so some of the good people that I met while I was in prison they're not citizens like me so they won't get parole eventually um, whether it's later or sooner or whatever, but they will so I just want people to un- understand that um, even though I was incarcerated for more than half my life but this country is all I know all my family um, a citizen. I have no family uh, in Vietnam and on top of that, I don't speak Vietnamese. I, spe- I actually speak Chinese, Cantonese. To deport me back to um, Vietnam, is like they would throw me right back in prison all over again because when I was in prison, I was um, doing everything that I need to do to feel comfortable and to be safe in that environment, which uh, at the beginning was very bad because I was still uh, conducting myself like a criminal and gang member I carried that mentality in, in, inside prison and joined my uh, early stages of uh, my prison term because that's all I knew so there's nothing I could do to undone the damage that I have caused through my poor choices but um, don't judge me for like the poor choices I made like look at the man and the person I came today you know I just want um, to give back make a man and through through that is by just sharing my experience. You know, I'm willing to do I have and I will continue to do everything to show other um that I will meet from here on out that I'm no longer the seventeen years old. Like rehabilitation is possible because I was given sixty one years, eight months to life sentence and I'm here today. And, and I only serve a level over twenty two years. So I just wanna end end this with a positive note. Um, nobody's perfect, you know. I'm just asking for some uh, empathy for other people to understand that uh, people make poor choices. But do we, I don't think we deserve to get deported just based on uh, the decision that we made when we were young, especially when we we're under the age of 18.
1: Yeah, I just want to um, expound a little bit on the conditions of uh, immigration. Um, you know, when when I was transferred to uh, Louisiana. Um, and even throughout the whole detention facility, um, you know, we were shackled up uh, in a small uh, uh, van, um, in the back of uh, van, and eight of us in like a six by five, you know, uh, cubic space. That you know, I, to me, it was worse than um, you know. Even animals get treated better than that. Um, and during the whole time, you know, everywhere we go, even on planes, we were shackled up. Uh, you know, some i remember a plane ride that lasted 13 hours uh you know going from louisiana to arizona to washington uh, uh seattle washington uh back to oakland so we were just uh, on a plane uh 13 hours shackled um you know arms and legs um and to me that was no condition for anybody to uh, you know experience you know i mean you know let alone um you know uh you know someone that they say we're not criminals we're just detainees yet we're being treated uh you know, um, I guess just, you know, like a product, like, you know, just, just like, I don't know, very bad condition. Um, and when I was, you uh, know, well, when I was in Louisiana or everywhere, I go pretty much on a pro- the processing uh, intake and outtake process. It lasts no more than eight hours. Uh, those eight hours, we were uh, confined in a, in a concrete uh, room uh, with concrete benches, um, no beds, uh, two toilets and sometimes there were like 30 of us in a, in a room uh, maybe like 20 by 30 by uh, 10 um, um, cubic area um, and you know everybody dreaded the process nobody you know people signed the paper to you know willingly to be deported because they don't want to go through that process again uh, of you know, waiting eight hours or 20, in my case, uh, you know, the first time I waited was over 27 hours for me to actually sleep on a, a bunk, uh, you know, with a thin mattress. And I've seen an 80 year old uh, um, elderly gentleman who was sleeping on the floor uh, while we waited. So there was all, you know, the condition was, um, you know, like I mentioned, it's just, uh, it's it's no way for a human to be in, um, you know, I wouldn't wish that upon, you know, like, you know anybody? Uh, um, you know, as any kind of punishment, uh, um, and to me that was, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's like punishment to the extreme. You know what I mean? Um, even, you it's know, like former torture, right? It's former, yeah, it's former torture because uh, you know people willingly, you know, you know, like Tim was saying, uh, sign a paper because they don't want to go through the process again. Uh, I remember hearing one guy like, you know, I'm just gonna sign and go because. You know, even if we get released, I'm gonna go through this process again one day, right? And you know, it was it was um, torturing, yeah. Um, So you know, I just want to spout and you know, and I was trying to order books uh, while I was detained, right? And you know, it took them uh, over two months for them to respond uh, to my request, saying that I, you know, I need to get approved and. You know, and just just books that I wanted to uh, read on, like, you know, like learning Cambodian language. Because I don't know the language. I came in as little. Uh, I'm Chinese. Yeah, so I don't understand nothing about the culture. And my my um, main uh, mode for the book was, uh, you know, to learn about the culture right. and the, the language. If I, you know, uh, worst case scenario, I get deported, at least I know something. And, you know, they weren't too accommodating on the situation. They were t- more worried about contraband and... You know, and I'm requesting this to be sent from a bookstore, not from, you know, my house. And, yes. you know, it just took them, uh, so the, um, I don't know, this n- no educational program, no rehabilitation, you know, I mean, I believe that, you know, while in there, people's, um, I guess the average is uh, four months, you know, and I think those four months they should be allowed to, you know, have some kind of education, whether, you know, uh, GED or NAAA, you know, whatever, that helps people get through the day, you know, and those programs wasn't available in those detention center and um
0: well it's like it's like county right where they're meant to be transition spaces not like permanent spaces but the the, the situation makes them permanent spaces for for a lot of people right long term s-
1: sentences exactly right? yeah there were some guys that's been there for over 5 years or 4 years like you know in that uh Adelanto, so you know um I guess the average uh, time is uh, four months but it's like you know four or five years it's it's a, you know that's a sentence right there in itself right so and for those people just to go through those whole time without any kind of like education or you know um, I mean that's that's really uh, you know torturing on the mind I guess you know um, and that, I can't even imagine how
0: how somebody leaves how some how that leave, how that experience leave some people right like how what impact does that experience have after you leave the detention center how traumatized right it it, it, it leaves you gotta know
1: you know i'm 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 so traumatized of going in there that i have an angle monitor that needs to be charged and i think a couple days ago i i i forgot it right at a place and i was so worried about the monitor not charging and them coming to take me and and re-detain me i couldn't even um you know I couldn't even sleep that night it's yeah. it's more like you know I, I want to do everything I can to um, stay out of the detention center and um, you know so far I've been you know just abiding by you know their um, their rules or you know I check in on time you know it's like yeah. I do everything you know um, you know in my power right to not to not be detained again and um, so I mean you know to some people uh, I've seen and it's, You know, the little times I've been there for like six and a half months, I've heard, you know, suicide, people, you know, commit suicide. um, um, And, you know, just people just give up the fight because they don't want to be in the condition no more. You know, when they go to court and they say, oh, their their, uh, court date extended another month, their, you know, their their mind just uh, uh, gave up. And, you know, they're like, you know what, I'm just going to sign. I'm not going to fight no more because, you know, I don't want to stay here any more than I have to. And you know, going back to whether it's Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Vietnam, you know, Cambodia was better than being in there for another, you know, uh, a month, two months, you know. So that that's, I guess, that's the, you know, the, you know, the condition that, you know, um, the effect that that has. Yeah.
2: So I just want to um, add a little to what you just mentioned, Alfred, about like traumatized. So um, for me, it was a little different because uh, I was, uh, uh, sharing my experience with uh, you guys earlier um, that I knew I was going to get detained by ICE because they told me at of time and on top of that I was incarcerated even before I got to detention so the transition for me is uh, how should I say this uh, it's like normal <laughs> but in a way it's not normal but in my situation it's normal because I, I never got the opportunity to to step outside the free society I was just transferred from one facility to another detention facility so for those that were pick up from the, their work, their home, or somebody uh, caught eyes on them and they got arrested, those people, most of them, um, they went on a side, uh, side man, meaning like to, to, to cope with the situation. Mm-hmm. They kind of numbed themselves with a sleeping pill, with Zoloft, and those sorts of medications just to uh, cope with the situation because they never experienced this uh, traumatic event before just like how Billy was sharing um, uh, the airplane flight and stuff like that um, just like Billy as I he was incarcerated for 20 uh, plus years. so mentally we strong because we made it you know we we never uh, uh, like tap out gave give up, up you know we, we continue to do everything we need to do and to to um, to uh, parole but for a lot of people in um um, detention, they don't have that strong mentality. So they just go to the doctor and, um, you know what, put me on Zola, put me on sleeping pill or something so I could go sleep uh, easier because I cannot sleep at night. Now I'm not um, uh, putting those pills down like they weak-minded, but that's the fact of the situation. And those doctors at El Toronto that prescribe those medicine, they, they'd be glad to do it because that's their job. That's what they do without people asking for medication. They wouldn't have a job, right? That's also part of the business, too. Exactly. So,
1: I, you know, I just, I don't think like you know, just weak-minded. Really, I just think that people are not just not used to, you know, that you know, that confinement, that being in a situation of, you know, uncertainty, right? That, you know, and, you know, like you mentioned, you know, doing time, you know, your mind get used to the program, but you know, I could imagine that people just uh be detained from the street and never uh encounter any kind of uh you know in uh, incarceration environment that yeah it it, it would uh, torment them to just be in that situation you know it, it's you know it has um you know it's, it's not like their mind is weak it's just they're not used to it you know we're, we're not used to being confined that's that's human uh as human being that's 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 our nature you know we're not used to being locked up in a box and you know what I mean? Um, so Wait, No one should be
2: used to that, right? Yeah, it's no
1: one should it. be. But, you know, but we were, you know, because of our uh, lengthy incarceration, it's, it's, we could deal with it, really. Not get used to it, but deal with the situation more than others, right? Yeah. Then, um, you know, then just... Um, and, yeah, like, um, you know, I encountered some dude that just got detained from the street. And, you know, they were quick to, um, uh, you know, sign a paper and get deported, you know, whereas... And even some of those guys that have been doing time for like 5, 10 years, right, they have the same mind. But, you know, for me it was more like, you know, I did 21 years, well, what's another year or two fighting it? But, you know, it's still a lengthy time to some people. Um, so, you know, it's it was just um, me getting to back to the mindset of being incarcerated, really, you know. And um, I guess that's the difference between our situation and people that's never been into a situation like that, right. Um, but, you um, um, yeah, just to uh, uh, elaborate on what Tin said, um, I think a lot of the formerly incarcerated uh, uh, men and women, right? We all have redeemable quality uh, in us, and you know, and for those of us that you know uh, want to you know, be better, right? To do better, right? All we're asking for is a, you know just a chance to uh, um, perform out here, you know, be a productive member, and you know, contribute to uh, this community. Um, if I were to be it back to Cambodia, right, um, I would have to start everything over again. But here, right, where I am already a, a member of organization, I think my uh, usefulness for or to contribute into this uh, society in the uh, United States, right, is is more impactful than me going back to um, you know Cambodia where I have to relearn the language and really adapt to a new lifestyle because you know I was you know I never knew that lifestyle there, you know, um, and you know, I'm just, um, you know, like Tin was uh, saying, you know, I'm, I'm just asking for a chance to uh, be a productive member here, right? And not be taken away from my family and friends here that I, you know, knew all my life, you know? Um, and really, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's what I just wanna, uh, the message I wanna put out really is, you know, give us a chance, you know, people in similar situation. And even, uh, yeah, and uh, you know, for the, for the DACA uh, uh, dreamers, You know, they really was, uh, you know, wasn't. You know, they didn't have a choice of coming here, and you know, they they never been in trouble with the law. You know, they they're here, right, and they're being productive. So I don't think you know they should be sent back, period, or even you know be put in situations similar to what me and Tim go through. You know what I mean? Because, um, man, they they were kids when they came over. You know, well, we were all kids when we came over. Yeah, we were. You know. but, um, you know, and uh, props to them for, you know, uh, living a productive lifestyle, you know, where we made a lot of bad choices and, um, and you know, commit crimes and, um, you know. Uh, and but you know
0: what's shitty that they're, they're pitting, like, oh, uh, people who made poor choices and were, you know, criminals, quote unquote, and then right. people who made the good But they're still pitting you guys against each other. Right. right? And they're using this to, as a political move, to we should send some people home and other people not and then
1: it's just it's a crazy situation yeah exactly like yeah they're using DACA as a leverage right for you know legal immigration issues and that's that's just wrong you know and um yeah I, you know i just man we're all human beings in this earth man so you know we shouldn't be get treated one way because of a piece of paper right for, let's say citizenship and um you know for just for me for uh, me and uh people in similar situation as me and ten, um, yeah, man, we just want to just, you know, have a chance to just be with family and just be productive, you know, and. Um,
0: do you feel like some of your, your, maybe work, now that you guys are no longer in the detention center, maybe, what's the word? I'm trying to figure out. Do you feel like you're torn between working with, like, maybe prison reform and, and, like, immigration reform? Or do you find it's easy to kind of work in both, both areas?
1: Um i i find it easy to uh, work in both areas because um you know prison reform or or it's i, I guess go, goes in hand in hand this there's, there's, you know it's still reform right uh, it's you know it's not right to you know lock people up in you know in a lengthy amount of time and never give them a chance to uh become a productive member right especially when they were locked up when they were you know in their teens um and you know for me it's like a human right issue you know what I mean whether you're incarceration or you're being detained right it's still in a in, in a situation where you know you feel powerless right and yeah you know you're torn away from your family um, you're you know you're being told what to do every time every day right hours uh, what to eat so really you have no um, no choice in the matter of, of daily uh, activities you know except for you um, you know, like for me, I wanted to uh, educate myself or wanted to, uh, you know, better myself, right, you have a choice in that, but other than that, you know, other factors in uh, um, um, detention and uh, prison, right, it's, you have no no choice in any any matter really, you know, so, but, you know, with detention, it's more uncertainty because, you know, you just don't know how long you're going to stay in detention and or your you know the outcome whether you're going to be deported or you know uh, given another chance so you know they it's the issue just goes hand in hand it's easier for me to just talk about both uh, you know
2: um, for me I, I, I must say is uh, either easy or hard right because to me personally I'm just sharing my experience the things that I went through while I was in prison and while I was in immigration so and I, it's the truth so, so there's a saying that, that goes, uh, the truth always defends itself. Like if I speak the truth and then with somebody understand and see uh, the truth of the matter, they will understand like this is not right. You know, and, and, and that itself alone, um, we speak for itself. There's no more, I, I don't need to like, uh, explain myself or anything, or anything like that. So my point is, if I continue to speak the truth, and all my experience I went through, I was saying, no, that's my way of giving back as well. So that's how I look at it. I don't look at it oh, it's difficult or oh, it's more easier or oh, it's much easier to speak on this, not that. It's just, like I say, it's my, my truth, it's my insight. This is what happened. What's happening when I was in prison, this is what I see. This is what's happening while I was in detention. This is what I see. That's what people are going through. So, um. I just want to promote awareness and educate the public and people that, that want to know more about social justice for for um, for uh, people that just promote like me and, or for like immigrant right that I was there. I just, like, people want to like help or people interested or anybody just want to get involved with those kind of organizations. Uh, I just want to share my experience. Just like, because the bottom line is like, I'm out here now, I have no more skills. I've said, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. I need to do this as a form of a man for all the poor choices I made when I was 17.
0: I know we, we were talking earlier, you have a, I know both of you guys are keeping busy with different events and different, you know, you know, like this is sharing your time, right? With things like this, like the podcast, is there a, are you guys also making an effort to like find joy, like just do something that, you know, spend time with family, you know, make sure that you guys do something that makes you happy outside?
2: So um, okay, for me, because uh, <laughs> that's important, right? You have <laughs> yeah, that's definitely. What you're fighting for that's what yeah. you say. That,
0: you know, that's true. That's, what that's you definitely. This
2: whole thing. I find joy um, the moment when they release me, and the reason why I say that is because I value everything, especially I value life now. Like before. Um, especially when I commit my crime, I didn't value my own life. I didn't love myself. I didn't respect myself. So I, so therefore, I cannot give that to other people. I cannot give something to somebody that I never had. So during my incarceration, I learned to to value like every moment of life, just be at the present moment. So I could be driving, you know, even though it's traffic like for an hour, I could just sit there and just you know, look up the sky, listen to music, just mind myself where I was at like three months ago, you know, or like I could walk, you know, on a sidewalk and I'd be grateful just to be around with people around the street mm-hmm. or like eat what I want, be my family, you know, be my family is a big, it is, it is it is important because they my number one support since the day I got incarcerated. But there's other people that was helped me along the way too. and and. And uh, I'm spending time with them too. My point is, um, every moment brings me joy because I'm present now. Like I'm, I'm aware of uh, what I need to do, and what I need to do to get to where I need to be. It's a gradual process, but I'm enjoying every moment because, like I say, like I value everything now.
1: Pretty much the same mindset as uh, ten. Um, yeah, uh, spending family is great. Uh, spending time with my family is great. Uh, you know. Um, Man, they're you know, they're my main support system while I was incarcerated, you know. But you know, like Tim was saying, you know, we, you know, I find joy in, you know, just you know, doing day to day activity. You know I mean? Being able to give back, you know, that's that's more meaningful to me now, you know, than my you know my self gratification of of you know whatever. You know, I I enjoy hiking, right? But you know. I could find time maybe, you know, once a week to do it or whenever I have time. But mainly, yeah, when, you know, when we're invited to events, you know, to speak or to even to volunteer, you know, I volunteer with the food bank through ARC is I find that, you know, that's 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 a joyful event for me. You know, I mean, you know, like, you know, every every minute that I'm breathing free air is joyful. So, you know, like Tim was saying, you know, we, you know, uh, we just we're just grateful, right? We have like a you know, attitude of gratitude, right? Just to be out here and uh, doing you know things like everybody else doing, uh, uh, you know, eat what we want or you know just man the small, the small things that yeah. small things that you know hug a tree. That's <laughs> you know what I mean that's something that you know I I I haven't seen tree in like 21 years. The whole time I'm in prison, you know what I mean? So it's just. You know, the act of just like hugging a tree—that's you know—that's yeah. something like you know people might think I'm crazy, but it's like hey, you no. know, that's for me. That was like a, a, a very sentimental moment right there. You know, I mean, I'm I'm hugging something that's you know free. <laughs> you know, so but um, yeah, um, but yeah, I, you know, I I find time there here and there. You know, but uh, mainly is um, you know I'm I'm still continuing going to groups. Uh, you know, kind of. Uh, you know, I don't want to be complacent of, of, you know, everything here, so I always have to, um, you know, try to, um, you know, stay focused on a path, you know, um, meditation, yoga, you know, it's just keeping your body, you know, healthy, your mind and, you know, just continue that, that work, you know, not, not you know, don't, I'm not, I'm not going to forget where I came from, so that's for sure.
0: I wish we could keep talking about this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have, we have to cut it up. we have to yeah. wrap up in a bit. Um, but I just want to thank you too for sharing your time, yes, thank you your story um,
2: thank you for having us you yeah. know like like being are saying like this is like our way of uh, just giving back yeah. just showing like um rehabilitation is possible you know and we we're we not we cannot be uh, selfish like how we were before we we, we learn how to be selfless there's are people that's behind uh prison wall that's behind immigration fences that's we're in our situation and now that we out here, we feel like we are obligated to speak the truth, to share our experience, to promote awareness of the situation that's happening inside like, you know, people make poor choices. But then I continue to stress this because it's very important because people change. Like don't, don't, don't just look at uh, what we did, the poor choices uh, we, we commit like 10, 15, 25 plus years ago. Just look at the people that we are today. You know, so by us sharing our experience, I feel like, like um, we're speaking for everybody that's in prison and Im- immigrant as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, I just want to express the name. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, you know, to have us uh, here and uh, to you know allow us to you know the space to um, you know pr- promote awareness uh, for uh, you know incarceration and um, the you know immigration detention. Uh, that's um, you know this. That's a huge issue. Uh, you know, bottom line is, uh, you know, um, you know, we're all human beings, and you know, the the walls and the the you know the detention uh, center it, it doesn't discriminate. You know, I mean, people from all walks of life is uh... being affected by it, and you know, whether you you uh, are you know whether you are impacted uh... uh immediately by those uh, issues is you know, you know, it's people know people. You know, I mean, you need somebody you know that's in, uh, in affected by it or um you know it's man you know the world seems huge but you know the the earth itself is like small you know compared to the universe so I, you know this you know this is um you know this this is a human issue that that you know everybody should be aware about you know yeah. so and thank you i really yeah, yeah, thank you guys
0: Appreciate thank you it. um before we wrap up Jim we have some like last minute um there's an event going on this the words in cage event and and unlock tomorrow event still going on the month of june Mm -hmm. yeah just for people who don't know the galleries open monday through friday from 12 to 5 um not just on the weekends when we have events we we have events mostly every uh, saturday Mm -hmm. except the last one which is then june 22nd is a friday and that's when you guys are launching the
1: second issue or second volume of the words in cage journal
2: and the gallery at Cal State LA's Fine Art Gallery on campus. So.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I, I mean, we'll have all this information on the, on the podcast description again, or you can Google it too, uh, whatever is easier for you. Um, did you want to say something?
1: Yeah, just one thing. Uh, if, um, you know, for next week's um, rally and the D.O. Lacey Detention Center is um, at 5 to, uh, it starts at 5. So, you know, we're rallying to abolish immigration. Um, uh, detention or you know it's just immigration period you know um you know there's uh, the matches is, you know there shouldn't be any separation between you know uh legal status and non-legal status right so um right. so if you can make it you know come support the rally appreciate right. it. thank you,
2: thank you.